This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show, in partnership with the Compassionate Friends. I'm your host, Dr. Heidi Horsley, and I'm here with my mom and co-host, Dr. Gloria Horsley. Hi, Mom. Hi, Heidi. Well, we've got an important show today because uh, we're going to be talking again about overdose and supporting parents. When I say again, the reason I know uh, just recently you did a webinar with Barbara Allen and Alan Peterson on uh, overdose, and it's on the front of our opentohope.com website right now such an important topic. You said that you had so many people uh, texting in that you can answer them all, right? We did. We had so many questions that we ran out of time, and Barbara had to, to answer the questions offline because there was just so much interest in this topic because, you know, it's a growing phenomenon, unfortunately, in this country. Yeah. And our guest today, uh, Alan Roth, who's a good friend of ours from the Compassionate Friends, a wonderful person, daughter died, uh, Tammy, of a drug overdose. So he is, uh, has got good information and good insight on this. Heidi, do you want to introduce Alan? I would love to. So I'm here in the New York City studio. My mom is in California, and Alan is in Washington, Washington State. And what I want to say about Alan is I've known Alan for a long time, and he his smile lights up a room. You just, you can never forget it. And he brings joy to so many people just because he has this smile and this energy that is so positive. And I think that's really important because I think he's a real lifeline for people that are not as far down the road and really do not know how they're going to survive. And as you said, Mom, Alan's 30-year-old daughter, Tammy Roth, died from a drug overdose February 12, 1995. He found the Compassionate Friends two years later, and he's currently a chapter leader and the regional coordinator for Washington State. In the intervening years, he has observed in others and in himself the progression from overwhelming grief to a balance of being open to joy and love in his life while also carrying the love of Tammy in his heart. Welcome to the show, Alan. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. It's great to have you on the show today. And you and I were talking earlier about uh, we both are involved with chapters of the Compassionate Friends, and we've had so many people come in with drug overdose uh, in the last year. It's it's incredible. Yeah. Well, in my chapter, uh, we typically have around 15 per month, and I'd say typically about a third have lost children, lost loved ones to uh, drug overdose. So it's, it's, it is uh, absolutely huge up there with uh, illness and suicide. Wow. So, so Alan, tell us a little bit about Tammy. <clears throat> Tammy was uh, a light of my life. Uh, she is uh, one of my two children. She was uh, brilliant, and she was a humanitarian. She mm-hmm. loved life. She loved people. She loved her father. Mm-hmm. She loved her brother. Uh, mm-hmm. She just full of love. Uh, <clears throat> Tammy and I uh, were almost an odd couple. We... Uh, lived together for two years before she got married. She was an adult at that time, mm-hmm. and we were remote from the family, so I had the, the honor and pleasure of picking out the uh, wedding dress, the wedding cake. Uh, we were we were pretty close. Wow. She, uh, from the, her mid-teen years, 
had a, uh, a substance abuse problem that started with painkillers. And uh, she was in and out of numerous uh, rehab programs. And uh, when she was 30 years old, she had a relapse and had an accidental overdose, which was uh, beyond description in terms of uh, what I felt at that moment. Uh, and that moment lasted for many, many years. It's, uh, it continues. It's like having your heart ripped out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that and that's not adequate because your soul is also uh, ripped out. But back back to Tammy, uh, she uh, she deserves to be here. And uh, uh, it's been 22 years and uh, almost 10 days now, and uh, she's missed by by many, especially her father, her mother, her brother. So so how have you gotten to the point where you could talk about joy and love in your life again? Wow. <laughs> yeah, I uh that that's that's really a major question that I share with uh, my group every month. Uh how do we get beyond this? And I don't totally know know the answer to that, but uh I'm here and so I'm proof that it is possible. And, and I, I share that at my meetings. Uh, what they're going through is real, uh, and several things will happen over time that I share with my group and that it, that I experienced. The love that I feel for my daughter has not dissipated at all over 22 years, and I share that miracle with my group. What, oh, that is it, so true. I love that. Mm-hmm. It is a miracle. I love Scott just as much as yeah, ever. Yeah, I, I just I can't explain it. The other thing is that the pain diminishes over time, and the time varies from person to person. So the the hope is that that time is a major factor. It was for me, and the pain diminishing, which seems to be related to opening to life again. When Tammy first died, for me, the word want left my vocabulary. I didn't want anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, except except for her back, right? You only wanted except to have Tammy back. One. That's probably the only thing yeah. you really wanted. Yep. The one thing I wanted was impossible, and mm-hmm. that's my daughter back. Yep. But uh, I, I, could, I could hug my son and not feel joy. Mm-hmm. I didn't want, I couldn't feel, and I was pretty much numb. Over time, it's like the sun rises again. And uh, I was able to look at new buds in spring and feel the beauty of the of the cycle of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was able to hug people in my life, and I think you know this firsthand, and feel it. And feel the mm-hmm. pleasure of being in the moment again. And I, I wrote a, uh, about two years ago, I wrote something that's in my monthly newsletter. And because uh, I, I, I don't take stuff out too often, I just keep adding. And it was 15 things that I thought I would never do again in my life. And risk again, and love again, and want again, and enjoy a sunrise again. I thought none of those things would ever come back. And they have, right. they all, they all have. And and it's so hard to believe initially. How did you feel? When did you first walk into a chapter? When did you first come, you know, 
be involved, to put yourself out, have the nerve to speak about it? That, that's easy because my first, uh, my first compassionate friends connection was a weekend retreat, a retreat here in the state of Washington. And it was a Friday afternoon through uh, Sunday lunch. And I was one of about 50 parents there. Wow. It was a, uh, a uh, I found it through a relative of mine, a bereaved couple uh, from California who was in everybody's newsletter distribution, and they told me about that retreat. So I was, I was numb and scared. How long had it been? Uh, a little over two years. It was June, okay. uh, so two years and four months since my daughter, since Tammy died, before I went to that weekend. Now, now, wait a minute. The world's saying to you at that point, he should be getting over it. Oh, well, yeah, but the world doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Uh, it's been two years, really. Yeah, yeah, I mean, what's this should business? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, yeah. No, the world doesn't know. There's no time scale that I believe in except time helps. And the right. amount of time varies for everybody. For me, I tend to be slow, I guess. But uh, that weekend was my first my first event, and the big one of the biggest memories. I have several memories from that weekend. One is there were fifty roughly other parents there that had survived the death of a child mm-hmm. or grandchild or sibling. Yeah, that I couldn't believe because I didn't know or care if I was going to live. Mm-hmm. So I took that message with me that Friday night at the opening uh, ceremony where we all held hands in a giant circle. I looked around, and, and there were 50 people there that were still breathing. Over the weekend, I saw most of them smile. And um, the other crazy memory was there were only, out of the 50, I counted, there were only eight men there. And uh, pardon me, but I'm an engineer, so I, I do deal with numbers occasionally. Mm-hmm. And so I carry that, that thought that uh, more women seem to be open than men. And the other, the other clear memory is I couldn't share. I couldn't talk. When I thought about Tammy or tried to say her name, I broke down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was my weekend. And when I left, my knees were kind of rubbery. <clears throat> and... Uh, that seems to, in hindsight, be a step towards tomorrow, towards my future, which has been a good future. It's, I love uh, that. Step to, that was your step towards tomorrow. And it was uh, two, two, over two years before you, you know, felt ready to, to do that. I, I just think right. uh, people who are hearing this show should know it's, it's tough. Yeah. It's rough. And it doesn't really matter when, when we get help or when we get support when we realize that uh, we're still here and uh, maybe there's a tomorrow. Yeah. And there is. There is. Well, what we do, we build a new and different life. I have. And the people I've connected with all have, they're all, we're all different. Uh, I'm, I'm different today than uh, before Tammy died. Well, well, I love that you're saying this, Alan, because you started out saying my heart was ripped out and my soul was ripped out. And now you're in a place where you're saying, I've been, I'm, I'm open to living again. I have joy again. I feel connected again. I can hug again. Hugging is a big one. I remember not being, wanting to be hugged either because it, it was too painful almost to be touched by anybody else. But now you're, you, you've shifted and you're living in such a different place. And like my mom said, two years is, is not a long time on this journey. And for those out there that don't know how they're going to do it, 
I think Alan is a great example of just one day at a time and, and, get, and reaching out to others that are further along in their journey. Yeah, I tell my group that we really have no rules. And then I say, I have one rule for you. And that's don't hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we've got to we've got to be here for the good days to start happening again, for our new values to start working for us again, and they do. I live differently today because of values that I now carry since Tammy died, and because Tammy died. I don't. What, put val- what values I, do you have? I mean, what mm-hmm. are, you, are you talking about specifically? I, I'm more charitable. I'm more giving to mm-hmm. others. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't put off attending any family events. I, I say, oh, I'll do the next one. Uh, I don't. Uh, every day is more precious to me because of my my history, my scars, my loss. You you live your life fully. It sounds like because you you know that each day is a gift here. And it sounds like you're also living your life for for Tammy in a way and keeping her memory alive and honoring her. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I wondered, uh, how has your son done? Heidi is very innocent. You're you're reading my mind, Heidi. That could be (laughs) dangerous. But but my my son and I couldn't talk when, uh, when Tammy first died. He was very angry with her. He, he saw the devastation that her death uh, caused, uh, inflicted on the family. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> my son my son is a doctor, by the way. Oh, wow. And so he had a, another perspective of her substance abuse, and he was part of an intervention that uh, the family did that obviously didn't stick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff visited uh, me uh, a few weeks ago. He's He now lives and practices in Florida, and I'm still in the state of Washington. What's we the specialty? Were able just to curious. About, we were able to talk about Tammy. What's Jeff's specialty as a doctor? He's an internist. Mm-hmm. Oh, an internist. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So you were able to talk about her after uh, Yeah, well, we have for years. many years now. Uh, but for the first few years, we couldn't. Mm-hmm. And there was there was one time that uh, I had lunch with Jeff because <clears throat> we used to live in the same area. He used to live in Washington before he moved. Uh, we had lunch, and I told him I was really angry because he didn't seem to be grieving the death of his sister. And he, he had a, a wife. He had a child. He had a practice. Uh, he had a full life that continued, and his father was a broken man. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, I was told that once by a mutual friend of ours, Kathy Sosnowski, uh, told me, Alan, when I first met you, she said, you were a broken man. Mm. And uh, uh, more recently, Kathy and I had, again, a a retreat weekend, and she said, I can't believe you. When I first met you, you were broken, and now you're whole. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. What a trip. Really? Heidi, I want you to comment on the sibling part that he was talking about. Um, well, I don't know his specific experience, but I just I just know that it's hard for siblings to talk to parents about sibling loss. And, you know, I know that it's part of the reason it's hard for many siblings is our experience, for one, is different. And also our parents have gone through so much pain. It's very difficult for us to see them at that level of pain. And we just don't want to cause any more pain in their lives at all because we've seen the devastation that losing a child has caused for them. 
So sometimes we'll, we'll be very quiet and not speak about our siblings to our parents. And the parents sometimes take, you know, don't know what to make of that. And I always tell the parents, we're trying to be good siblings. We're trying to be good kids by not speaking about it because we just feel like we don't want to cause you any more pain. So I, I don't know if that's it can, be, it can be scary, too. And I imagine that, that Jeff must have, as you said, he had a lot of anger at uh, his sister because you tried to do an intervention and all that. And he's a professional. I would get that. And, and he couldn't fix it. He must have felt frustrated that he couldn't do anything to save her. And Well, and also, Mom, you said, you said something that I think is very true. Um, Alan was a broken man. And it's really, and, de- and I'd never seen my father so devastated ever. And it is very, very scary when you see your parents so vulnerable and so in such bad places because you're not used to seeing them like that. And it's scary to see them like that. So that's the other, the other piece. Yeah. I went to, uh, I've been to many national conferences, uh, as you both know. Mm-hmm. And the one in Portland, uh, I don't know, six, seven years ago, uh, I, I intentionally attended a panel discussion that was led by siblings. Mm, I love it. And there was a gentleman on that panel. I'll, I'll just never forget. I can see him right now. His name was Dan. And he put out the perspective that from a sibling standpoint, they not only have lost their sibling, but for a while they've lost their parents. Absolutely. It's a double loss for us. Yes. Mm-hmm. I share that at my meetings, uh, Heidi, because there are a few adult siblings, uh, yeah, 10, 20 percent, uh, that uh, do attend. And uh, that's, that's a, a very important message for them, uh, for you, the perspective that, you know, your brother, your sister is gone, uh, but your parents are, have been uh, locked away for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Alan, I want you to talk, uh, for those who don't know about Compassionate Friends, could you talk a little bit about uh, your chapter? I think we've got 700 chapters now at least. Um, do I, how do I find them, and, and do I have to talk? And if I, if I don't know anything about it, can you tell me something about it, and how can I find it? Absolutely. I, I think the chapters are incredibly valuable, no matter how they're done, uh, no matter how large they are. In fact, I think the larger chapters tend to lose something. And I, I've attended quite a few meetings, uh, not mine. But for the new, the new parent, the newly bereaved, there is a wonderful website, the compassionatefriends.org, O-R-G. And you can Google the Compassionate Friends, and that option will come up. Uh, when the, In the opening page, there will be a link to chapter locator and uh, put in your home address. I believe a zip code is an option, but it is extremely easy to find uh, chapters local to where you live. And usually there's one within 10, 20 miles. I drive 25 miles to go to my meeting, which is nothing. I need the time after the meeting to, uh, to process. But uh, there are chapters all over the country. Uh, my chapter meets once a month. Uh, I, I would like it to be a little more, but once a month is very effective. Uh, there are typically uh, 15 uh, bereaved uh, people at, at a meeting. Well, this month, early February, there were 10. Uh, and uh, we, uh, we're in a safe place. We're, we're able to share. We're able to cry. 
since I tend to be a silly uh, person, we tend to laugh, and uh, and I encourage hugs, and I, I collect a lot of them. And I have found uh, – I've been a chapter leader for about 14 years now. Uh, I took over the chapter when the previous leader uh, could no longer continue. So I've connected with many, many hundreds of parents, and uh, and I have seen the benefit of attending meetings. Uh, I've, I've met people in my community that have hugged me and thanked me, and they're smiling again. And so uh, it's, it's not me personally, although we all have a unique uh, story to share, and uh, and being able to relate to others is certainly a, a one-on-one unique thing. But I know firsthand that the chapters can be incredibly helpful to getting to the, the, the new life that is coming. And you don't have to talk if you don't want to, right? Oh, absolutely. There, there's no cost to participate. It's totally open to any religion, any color, uh, and participation is, on any level, is totally optional. So siblings, parents, and grandparents. Well, have yep. you got a couple of pieces of advice to someone who's listening to this show and is early bereaved? What would it be? Oh, <laughs> again, the advice, don't hurt yourself and find find a meeting. Right. And uh, and and be patient with yourself. You you are bereaved, and you are entitled to forget. You're entitled to cry. You're entitled to feel. And the the grieving that we feel is is fueled by the love we carry. Mm-hmm. If we didn't love, we wouldn't grieve. Well, Alan, on that note, we're going to end because that's a that's a beautiful place to end. Like you said, if we didn't if we didn't love, we wouldn't grieve. So thank you so much for all that you're doing and for your positive energy and everything you're doing out there in Tammy's honor. You are most welcome. It is, it's an honor and a privilege to, uh, to have this as part of my life, which it is now. Uh, well, thank you uh, also for being on, um, Alan, and I'm going to look forward to giving you a big hug at our next uh, national conference. Uh, I look forward to it, Heidi and Gloria. Bye-bye. All everyone. right. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Well, Heidi, uh, Alan's amazing, isn't he, and, and how great. Yes, and like you said, I will definitely be giving him a hug, too, because he gives great hugs, and like I said, his his smile lights up a room. So he is a great example that you can find hope again. Yeah, and uh, the drug overdose problem, and it's so confusing for parents because they come in and they're not even sure uh, how it happened, and sometimes it's got involved with prescription, prescription drug medication and that kind of thing. So there's a lot going on at the national conferences and also on that we have information on Open to Hope and the Compassionate Friends website. We have articles and things that you can read about this, so please visit those sites. And we want to thank you for listening to the show today. And please tell your friends and family about Open to Hope and the Compassionate Friends. And if you've lost hope, we want to remind you, please lean on ours until you find your own. And God bless. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com. 
along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.